This isn't a race. And, you know, it's okay that you're not uh, the Tobias Van Schneider or whatever yet. There's still a lot to learn. There's still a lot to come. And just be patient. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name is Femke. And my name is Charlie. Today's episode is following on from last week's where we talked about our career goals, you know, what we want out of this design life that we lead. Today we're going to be talking about the things that might stop us from achieving it. And I know that may sound negative, but I think it's important to talk about your flaws and the things you struggle with, because that's the only way, like, recognize them them is the only way you're going to actually be able to move forward from them and, you know, try and overcome them. So today in this episode, we're going to be sharing our biggest struggles as designers and, you know, the things that we think we need to work on, basically. Going to be getting super honest and it feels weird to be like talking about things you're bad at to what could potentially be the whole world if they chose to listen (laughs) to this podcast. But I think it's important that we do because, you know, no one's perfect and every designer out there has things that they struggle with. So we're going to share ours. First though, fam, how has your week been? I had a huge week, actually. Last week was the big meetup with Figma and Ladies That UX Amsterdam that we hosted at Uber. And it was really good. It went really well. I think we had around 150 people attend. So our Amazing. our space was basically completely packed. And we got a lot of good feedback. People seemed to really enjoy it. Also, a shout out to uh, Nuka, who is in the Design Life community. She attended and I got to meet her IRL, which was pretty I'm cool. I'm so jealous. Yeah, it was super cool. So it was it was a great event, like overall super nice. I think people had a lot of fun. And yeah, I, I can't believe we had that many people show up. It was good. And how was your talk? Uh, I think it went well. I don't know. It's always hard to like know yourself, like if people enjoyed it. But do you feel good about it? I feel good about it, yeah. I had a few people come up to me afterwards saying that they enjoyed it. Good. So, yeah, I think overall it went really well. We had a bit of a sort of Q&A panel discussion at the end, and, of course, some of the questions are always a bit tricky, like, what's next for Uber? And I'm like, uh, I feel like this is a question for our CEO, but... Right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was it was overall pretty good. I think... People really liked being able to like kind of see sort of almost for the first time a little bit here in Amsterdam, at least behind the scenes a bit of of design at Uber and what we do. So I think it's a good opportunity for us as a company and even just at a design team level to do more of that and keep being involved in the community and giving back and inviting people into our space and kind of showing them the cool things that we do. So I think it was a success. It was good. That was pretty much my my main focus over the past week was making sure we pulled that off well. So yeah, success. Mission accomplished. Mission <laughs> accomplished. Big like green check mark next to that one. <laughs> <laughs> green check mark emoji. <laughs> exactly. How how are you going? How's your life? Life is going good. I'm still enjoying being back home. I'm trying to get more into more of a routine and trying to close the activity rings on my watch every day because uh Yes, I have not been very active as of late, although, you know, did quite a lot of walking when I was in Japan, but yes, definitely need to up the exercise that I'm doing. So trying to work that into my routine some more and I'm feeling really good because of it. And yeah, cracking on with the side projects, filming some cool videos, um, loving it. Yeah, yeah, life is going well. I, I think that 
I'm feeling like I need to be getting back onto some of my more major projects because like my website, the font, you know, these things that I want to achieve this year. Oh yeah, the font. The font, that mythical thing that I talked about a long time ago. <laughs> I almost forgot about it. Thanks for reminding me. I shouldn't have mentioned it. <laughs> now I'm going to ask for updates. <laughs> yes, well, don't ask yet because I'm not planning on doing anything with the font until the website is done. I've decided that that comes first to actually have, you know, a place to sell stuff. Uh, yeah, and then the font will be happening. But yeah, it's time to time to get back onto those things. I went to a Figma meetup last week. It was the day before your one, actually. They had one in London. So, no, very, very busy little team there. Um, but there was a talk about design principles, which are the things that come before design systems, you know, the visual, like what the, the button looks like on your side, that sort of thing. And it was really fascinating. We don't have design principles in place at ConvertKit at the moment. So I am now going to be like running a little mission to put some in place, obviously not making them up myself, getting the team's involvement, but just, you know, facilitating that because uh, yeah, that, that's going to be a good thing to have. And I'm also thinking I want to do it for my own site as well, which is a bit unnecessary, but I feel like it will be a good exercise. So yeah, stay tuned. I might try that. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of feeling the same actually where I've had some project ideas for a while and I just haven't quite made the time to sit down and kind of do the kickoff, you know? Like always when you start a new project there's quite a bit to I guess organize and kind of figure out like okay, how am I going to approach this? Like what am I going to do? And for me that kind of takes a little while, but once you do it, you kind of just, you know, you run with it, right? You kind of know what you're doing and it starts to flow. But that initial sort of kickoff for projects is a little bit of a burden, I guess, for me sometimes. So I also have a few projects that I want to kick off, so to speak, and just haven't really made the time to sit down uh, and for a focus block of time be like, okay, now I need to plan this. How am I going to do this and where do I start? So hopefully I can do that sometime soon. And I think that's because... We, you and I both have so much on that is recurring. You know, you've got yes. your newsletter, we've got yes. this podcast, we've got the community, I've got my videos. And those are all things that we're doing outside of work. And so fitting something else in that feels, I don't know, it's less regular, it seems, seems more difficult. So exactly, it's about building that habit. So I've got to get website design time into my week. You know, it's just a, just like editing a video is something I do every week. Working on my website needs to be something I do every week. So yeah. That's the plan. See how we go. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, uh, that actually seems like a good segue into things we struggle with. <laughs> yes, kicking <laughs> off new projects, finding time in my week. <laughs> what is one of the main things that you do struggle with as a designer or I don't know that you see? I don't know if you have one biggest flaw or if there's a couple that are equal or what, but yeah, tell, tell me what you struggle with. Yeah, I have a few things written down and... The first one that I wrote down is confidence. Ooh, okay. Yeah, and this is something that also like I sort of raised in my performance review that I had recently is my sort of inner struggle with confidence. And whenever I mention confidence, people seem to be quite surprised because I think I come across as a very confident person. Yeah, I think you do. But I also, like when I'm in certain situations... For example, maybe I'm in a really important meeting. Um, my confidence just flies out the window completely. And it's it's actually really weird because I feel more confident standing on a stage, like last week, standing on a stage in front of 150 people, as opposed to being in a room with five. 
and, you know, those five people could make up like different people in seniority, right? They could be stakeholders. Maybe there's someone who's actually quite at the top of, of the business org that I work in. And for some reason, my confidence just gets a little bit low in those situations. And to tie in with confidence, I also kind of have, have as a sub thing is communication. And for me, I think they kind of go together. Like I want to build more confidence so that I can communicate clearer and communicate with confidence, I guess. Um, so I often like shut down a little bit in meetings and I'm afraid to share my thoughts or my ideas or I'm also not really an interjector. You know, I, I like to let people finish speaking and that's actually, I've found out quite a bad skill to have if you're in meetings because you sometimes just need to butt in there. And so I've been trying to come up with techniques as to how to kind of get my voice heard and have the confidence to speak up. So that's kind of like a personal thing that I'm trying to get more of this year. And and I purposefully said confidence and not imposter syndrome because my confidence I think is not necessarily in my work. Like I feel at the moment pretty good about my work and I'm pretty proud of the progress that I've been making but I more just need the confidence to speak up a little bit more share my ideas and communicate better with the people around me I like that you've made that distinction because feeling a lack of confidence doesn't mean you're feeling like an imposter all of the time you know right so it's like almost like if there's a scale like being super confident is on one end and imposter syndrome might be on the other and a lack of confidence might be kind of around the middle you know so yeah, I like that you've made that distinction. And honestly, I think this is something that will come with time for you because you are still fairly new to the design industry, you know, as a whole and being a designer full time, especially working at such a big company like Uber. I think that, yeah, it will it will come for you as you feel more comfortable in the space and feel like you've earned your stripes almost is um, something that one of my workmates at Zero said to me once, that's a phrase they used when I was talking about exactly this. Um, I was saying how I think in the design team meetings there, I never felt like I could speak up because, you know, we had this team of all these product designers and then, you know, here's me on marketing. I was one of only two women at the time. And, you know, if it just felt like a lot. And also I was felt like I was quite a lot younger than all the others and newer to this. It was my first digital design job. And so I, I felt like I never really deserved to speak up in a way like, oh, it doesn't matter if I don't say anything because everyone else's opinions are better than mine anyway. So, you know, I'll just listen and learn. And yeah, I think that is something you get over. You earn your stripes, you be there a while and you you realize that, hey, you know what's going on. And so it's going to make the whole project better if you do speak up. Yeah, and this is exactly right, especially because I'm sort of new to the team, also recently new to product design you know, my job before this was more in marketing design and especially on my team, actually, it's made up of quite a lot of sort of OGs, so to speak. Like most of the designers on my team have been there for three years. And so me coming in as not only a young designer, but also a junior designer and recently new to, to this world of product design, of course, like I have this feeling of, well, anything I say is not going to be anywhere near as valuable as what my team member has to say because they have you know three years of, of knowledge and experience and they know the company well they know the problem space well and I mean you could argue as to whether that's rational or irrational to think but it definitely influences my 
I guess, confidence and willingness to speak up and share because I just have this feeling of like, well, you know, they they know better than I do. So why should I share what I have to say? So, yeah, yeah, th- that's totally right. And I think this also ties into uh, my other sort of struggle, which is patience. And you were, you were kind of hinting on it there, which is around like having the patience that – you can't learn everything overnight, right? You can't learn everything in one go. And it's going to take time to build up my skills, to build up my expertise, to build up my confidence as well, right? And so that's another thing that I'm kind of trying to remind myself of is that this isn't a race and it's not like I have to achieve this all within a year to be still a valuable team member. Uh, You know, it's all about growth and learning and development over time. And so I'm trying to remind myself of that as well. Like, you know, it's okay that you're not uh, the Tobias Van Schneider or whatever yet. Uh, Give yourself the time. You've still got a lot of things to learn. And I I think I'm in this phase now where you were just describing when you were at zero at the very beginning. I think that's kind of where I am now. And I'm trying to remind myself that there's still a lot to learn. There's still a lot to come and just be patient. I wonder how many other designers out there who are in like your situation, you know, been in the design industry a couple of years and they're feeling this exact same things because I definitely felt that when I'd been in, you know, the industry about three years, that was my exact same situation I was in. So that's really funny that maybe it goes in cycles. I don't know, but uh, I hate to tell you, but I think that once you get past these struggles, new ones form oh and like great. you struggle with different <laughs> things you know so it's not like once you become more confident once you become more patient that's it you're fixed and you're going to be the greatest designer in the world forever right unfortunately I think that yeah we deal with different struggles at different stages of our career and, and that's just what happens so what about you then because you're a little bit ahead of me in the career game so now I'm super curious to hear what I have to look <laughs> forward to <laughs> yeah so I, I think I've been in the design industry like I don't know, seven or eight years now, something like that. But one of the things that I struggle with most, and I think it's kind of embarrassing and stupid that I struggle with it, is uh, projecting timelines for projects. I'm always way too optimistic. It's my biggest flaw because I like I want to please people and I want to make them happy. I want to help them. Like I truly want to get this thing out the door for them because I know that they need it and I know it has to be done. And so I often get myself into a situation where I say an unrealistic timeline and then either I have to like get no sleep in order to make it or I miss the deadline. And honestly, but you know, in the company that I work in, no one is that disappointed because the deadline isn't like hard and fast. We've said we're launching on this date. Like obviously I would never miss that deadline, but also with those ones, there's generally someone else involved setting it. So I can't really screw it up as much. But when it's like a smaller internal thing, you know, that I've just said, oh, yeah, I can have it done for you by this date. Uh, I often miss that deadline and that is terrible. So you're setting the deadline or someone else is setting the deadline for you? When I'm setting the deadline, when they say, hey, I need this thing. And I'm like, cool, I'll have it done for you by this date. Uh, Okay, so you're too optimistic. Yes, I'm too optimistic with how fast I can get things done. And it's it's not because... It doesn't come from a place of thinking that I'm great at everything and they're like, oh, no problem, this will be easy. It comes from a place of, I know this person really needs it and so I want to say the soon as possible date I think could maybe be a thing and yeah, then it ends up being more difficult than I thought or something or, you know, other projects come in and it's just, yeah, means I can't meet it. So yeah, dealing with project timelines 
is my biggest flaw as a designer, I would say. And probably, I wouldn't say it's hindered my career so far because I've always had, you know, people on the team like managers who will be in charge of the actual like, overall big project timelines. But I think if I was freelancing in particular, this would be a huge problem. So maybe it's one of the reasons that I don't freelance very much. <laughs> what do you think is the main reason that you struggle with this? Do you think it's because, like, are you not good at estimating how much work it would take? Or are you not good at forecasting your other tasks tasks that you have coming up? Like, what do you think is the underlying reason here that, that you struggle with this? I think both. I think because most of the things, like the examples that I'm thinking of when I think of, you know, failing at this you know, in the past year anyway, has been to do with coding because I'm I'm so new to that. I'm not very good at estimating how long it takes to actually do something. And, you know, sometimes I might hit this random bug and it might take me a day to figure it out when I thought that that would just be a simple, like, one line of code, you know? And so I guess part of it is just learning how long things take. I feel much more confident when it comes to just the design side of things in projecting timelines for that. But yeah, it's the I think it's the code possibly that that screws me up a little bit here. Um, and like you said, the forecasting alongside all the other projects as well. I'm not very good at having a holistic view of every single thing I'm working on and making sure that I don't overcommit to one section or, you know, just, just making sure I keep those other things in mind when I'm setting a date for one project in particular that I'm working on. So when you sort of give people a due date do you consciously think okay I know I'm bad at setting due dates so maybe I'll add on an extra couple of days to this due date or or no do you not do that I don't and I really should like obviously <laughs> that's what I should be doing right that seems like such a simple answer but it, it honestly for me comes down to wanting to please people and wanting to get it in their hands as soon as possible but I know that I should get into the habit of uh what is it under promise and over deliver so if I say it's this date and then I give it to you two days early, you're going to be pleasantly surprised versus if I, you know, say earlier and give it to you later. So, Do you ask people what, like, what or when they'd like to expect it by? Oh, yeah, of course. And they always say tomorrow. You know, everyone always wants their thing as soon as possible. They're not going to say, oh, I don't need it for like three months from now. Otherwise, they wouldn't be thinking to ask me for it now, you know? Yeah. So... That probably comes into it as well as because they're saying they need it as soon as possible. So I'm trying to give them a super short deadline because of that. Oh, yeah, the whole thing of now. I was actually talking to one of my teammates about this yesterday. It was so funny. Like he was like, you know, like I just had someone ask me for something now and I'm so sick of hearing now. Like everything is always <laughs> now and there's no such thing as now because it's not like you needed it yesterday. So it obviously wasn't a priority. So like we just had this little rant about the whole concept of now. Love it. Uh, and it's super interesting. I feel like it happens a lot in our field in particular. Like I don't know why if it's that people sort of see design as a as an oversight when they're planning things and they don't realize to the end like, oh, wait, we need to consider, like we need a visual for this or whatever. I mean, that's a, lame example but you know what I mean maybe it gets kind of uh yeah missed I'm not sure but I feel like a lot in design we have this now problem where people need things straight away and it could be hard to sort of push back a little bit sometimes yeah totally uh and that ASAP is my least favorite acronym oh <laughs> it's ASAP. one that gets thrown around a lot yeah <laughs> it's like do you really need it ASAP or is two days from now actually okay yeah, and also as soon as possible is so wide open. Like it could mean the next minute or it could mean like next week if you can get to it because that's what's possible, you know. Uh, 
anyway, yeah, it's something I'm working on and trying to get better at. And we'll see how I go. I think it'll improve as I improve my coding skills as well. Like it might just come down to just not knowing the skill well enough yet to be able to estimate how long something takes. Like, I don't know, for example, when we were both learning lettering, uh, we didn't know how long it takes to craft the perfect letter B or whatever, right, you know? Right. Um, yeah, it might be a little bit of that too. I, I have this too, especially if you are doing something new or you're not super familiar with a task, right? And so you you don't know how to estimate for it. You don't know how long it's going to take. Like I'm currently in the phase of my project where I'm doing a lot of the specs for engineers. So creating all of the red lines and like, oh, five pixels between this button and, you know, padding and stuff. And I'd kind of estimated like, okay, that's probably going to take me a week or so because it, it seems quite tedious. And I started on it yesterday and it surprisingly is going a lot quicker than I thought it was. So nice. yeah, it's always like when you are going to do something new, it's very difficult to estimate for it. And sometimes it surprises you by being quicker than you thought. And other times it takes a lot longer. So that can be hard. Yeah. And I guess the thing is just to learn from when you made a mistake and you know, try and do better next time. I do think that I am slowly improving with this. But yeah, I think I've noticed this problem more in this role at ConvertKit because I do, people come straight to me, you know, and we have a lot more autonomy here. So I do get to say my own deadlines. It's not always something coming down from someone up the top, you know, and and telling me when they need something by. So yeah, I, I think I've noticed this more because I've been doing it a lot more. Yeah. What about, I want to ask you if you have any flaws or struggles sort of more in the personal space. So not necessarily tied to your work, but maybe tied to not, not necessarily side projects, but things that you personally want to improve upon or know that is a bit of a struggle area for you. Well, okay. Yeah, I like this question. And an answer I have for you does affect my work, but it's also just a problem in life in general for me. Okay. And that is getting too emotional about things in general. So like conflict, when I'm frustrated, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think those are the main two things. If there's like some form of conflict or if I'm frustrated, even if it's just with myself, uh, I can't, can't stop my voice from like shaking and like, you know, like I'm about to cry. And it really frustrates me because I feel like even though I know emotion isn't weakness, but I feel like it makes me look weak. Right. Um, and I think it it's... Partly because I'm a woman and there's the stereotype that, you know, women are all emotional and, you know, they can't be in serious business situations because they're just going to cry all over the place or whatever. And I don't want to live up to that stereotype. Yeah. But sometimes I do get frustrated and I cry because I'm frustrated. Yeah. Uh, and I hate that. Like, I hate not being able to keep my voice level when I am, you know, getting emotional about something. Because, to be honest, I get emotional about a lot of things. I... Like, get emotionally invested in most think parts of my life, you know, including my work. And so, yeah, it's just going to happen and it sucks. But I'm really glad that I work at a company where, like I said, emotion isn't seen as weakness. Like, I have pretty much every single one of my workmates has seen me cry and we only see each other like twice a year. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I cry too much, obviously. But Amazing. Yeah, that that I would say is my... Oh, because obviously in the rest of life as well, this is also an issue, but yeah, I think that crying at work just seems so much worse than, you know, crying in your personal life, if that makes sense. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, thankfully, it sounds like you have a supportive workplace that is not going to true. Yeah, put you down or tell you off for getting emotional. It's funny because my personal thing that I was going to share is kind of opposite to this, which is weird. Oh, interesting. So I wrote down my struggle of being too direct and not having enough empathy for others. So it's funny because I feel like it's a little bit opposite to yours where I, and and this is more in personal, I think, than in work situations because in in my working life, I don't quite have the confidence yet to be so direct with people. Right. But in my personal friendships, I feel like sometimes I am a little bit mean, basically, is the best way to put it. Sometimes I feel like a little bit mean and that I should try and be more nice and more friendly. And I'm trying to work on it a little bit. And I think it's just because I have, like, I basically have no patience for BS. So right. if... Like we're trying to organize something with friends and it's becoming really difficult or someone's just being a hard case about it or whatever. I'm just like, well, screw that. Like, I'm just going to do it myself. And then I realize that by doing it myself, then they're upset because I didn't involve them, for example. Um, And so I'm trying to work on that a little bit more and just be a more nice person. Uh, And I don't know if it's to do like I've noticed it more since I moved to the Netherlands And I don't know if that has any correlation or maybe it's just because I'm getting older and have less patience for BS with people Um, or it's because I'm here in the Netherlands and people are really direct and so it's rubbed off on me and then not to (laughs) not to forget also my parents are Dutch so I've had a little bit of it growing up so yeah I don't know what it is but I just feel like sometimes I need to be a little bit more nice and maybe be a bit more considerate of my friends and how they're feeling. I don't know if you need to be more nice because I think you're a very nice person. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> I don't I don't classify myself as nice. Like if I had oh. to if I had to describe my personality, I guess, and nice was one of the options, I probably would not reach for it. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's something I've kind of discovered about myself recently. And I don't like it about myself, I suppose I would say. So it's something that I'm trying to change. And maybe I do come across as nice. I don't know. Like you said, maybe my friends don't actually feel this way about me. But for some reason, I feel it about myself. Mm. And so... Well, that's the important part is what you feel about yourself. Right. Yeah. So for me, I feel like it's there enough to kind of want to change it and be a bit more empathetic and be a bit more considerate of maybe what my friends are going through at the time and you know have a bit more of that uh emotion there yeah interesting do you think that this because you said that at the moment this isn't affecting your work because you don't really feel like you have the confidence to be direct with people yeah right (laughs) um and I feel like that kind of happened with me at the start with my emotional problem is that to start with at work I didn't feel like I could get emotionally invested enough or like if I felt that coming on I would just shut up and not say anything and then there's no chance of it like you know escalating whereas now at at the company I do work at now I feel much more confident speaking up even if it means my voice is going to wobble and I'm going to get frustrated and you know and I think that's a good thing to feel comfortable to do that but I still hate that I do it and I just I don't know I have this worry that it'll hinder my career that no one will, it, it'll be harder to see me as a professional because I don't handle 
things like stress and frustration and conflict with a, like even keel you know like i don't think anyone would say of me they're like oh no um you know she keeps a straight face no matter what you know she's always professional like, <laughs> yeah i do wear my heart on my sleeve quite a lot i think and so yeah that's something that i worry about in terms of my career i think it's also uh like a good thing though i don't i don't see that as a bad thing um because sometimes i feel like it's it can be easier to work with those people when they're more uh, open, I guess you would say. Like if if some people are too closed about it or like don't want to talk about what's going on with their feelings or like it's obvious that there's some conflict or something going on and they're more of an avoidance person, I guess you'd say. Uh, That can also be really challenging because it kind of lingers in the air, you know that something's up and they just don't want to address it or don't want to talk about it. So I personally feel like I work better with the people who are more on on your spectrum where they're more open and more willing to talk about feelings and get emotional um I think yeah for me that helps with my working relationship with that person that's really interesting and I like hearing you say that even though you're not that type of person yourself you like working with other people who are yeah that's kind of weird isn't it yeah I don't know I don't know (laughs) if it's weird or if it's like that opposites attract kind of thing yeah I don't know (laughs) Yeah, super interesting. Maybe two direct people is like going to butt heads. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe. I thought it might be interesting to share a struggle that I used to have but no longer do. Oh, yes, that sounds great. Yeah, so I used to struggle quite a bit with relaxation. Uh, I worked a lot, including the weekends. I was always quote unquote hustling, working on my side projects. I mean, I still do work on my side projects, but now it's a little bit more controlled, I would say. Uh, Previously, I would be on my computer all weekend. I'd go on my computer as soon as I came home from work and I really wasn't getting much relaxation time in. And my boyfriend, Owen, continuously pointed it out to me saying, you need to relax, like you need to find something like as a hobby or just to to chill out a little bit. And at the time I was kind of using cooking as an excuse, which I think I've talked about before maybe, or at least mentioned where, you know, I like to come home and I enjoy cooking. So I make a meal and that was kind of my form of relaxation. Um, Cause for me, it's yeah, just super nice way to kind of wind down and I really enjoy it. But I realized that like it wasn't enough. I needed a way to actually completely disconnect and relax more and give myself the freedom to just enjoy a weekend, how a weekend should be enjoyed and not feel guilty about it. That's the key thing at the end is not feel guilty because I like, yes, I would try and watch TV now and then, but I would be left with guilt at the end because I felt like, Oh, I wasn't working hard enough and I should be spending this time working. So I struggled with that for quite a while, actually, like finding a way to relax and being okay with it and not having this feeling of guilt. And I think like six months ago, I just decided like, or I think it kind of timed up with when I started working at Uber because I started working in a more demanding job. And so I I needed this relaxation more than I did before. And so I kind of just said, okay, well, enough is enough. I'm going to try doing a weekend without opening my computer. And so I did that and it was actually really nice. And so now I kind of do that more purposefully where I'm like, no, I'm not going to go on my computer or no, today is going to be no screen day or today I'm going to play five hours of Zelda on my Nintendo Switch and not feel guilty about it. And yeah, for me, that has really helped, uh, yeah, just allow myself to relax. 
I was just going to ask you before you mentioned it, if there was a catalyst that, you know, sparked this new approach to relaxation. Because I feel like I had something very similar, but mine, I learned how to relax after hitting burnout. And so I was kind of forced to like make a change, you know, um, same as you. I used to just be doing something constantly, um, especially before Mark moved in, moved over to London and moved in with me. I, you know, had no one there to hang out with in the evenings in particular. And so I could just work until like 10 p.m. at night and get up at 6 a.m. and start all over again, you know. Um, so that was hard to break sort of when, when he moved in and there was someone to hang out with in the evening, someone who wanted to watch a movie together and, and that sort of thing. And like you, I would feel guilty about taking a break to do that. But now I've definitely shifted my attitude that evenings are times for relaxation. I never plan on doing any work in the evenings if I can help it. All of that has to be done in the morning or on my lunch break. You know, I'm talking about side project work here. Sure, sure. And yeah, if, if it doesn't get done then, it'll have to be done tomorrow instead. And I've become a lot more protective of that time because I've seen how valuable it is to me. And with weekends as well, the same. I'm trying to do less on the weekends. I always end up editing a video on the weekend because I'm not organized enough to get it done during the week. But yeah, doing a lot more relaxing as well, which has been really nice. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So like yours was with burnout. I think mine was with, yeah, starting my new job and starting a job that was a bit more demanding and the hours were a little bit more long and, you know, feeling like I was spending more energy at work, which, which is fine, but it just means that I had to counter that with allowing myself to relax and re-energize because I didn't want to, you know, just run myself to the ground and keep coming in more tired than the day before. It's obviously not sustainable. So yeah, now I can relax without feelings of guilt, which is really nice. And I purposefully, yeah, like in the weekends, will definitely prioritize relaxing or spending time with friends over, yeah, doing side project work. That's good. I think that's an important thing to learn. I do sometimes every now and then still get that wave of guilt when I look at what other people are achieving. And I'm like, oh, I'm like envious of them, but I know that I'm not working hard enough to like, you know, it's not like we're putting in the same amount of effort. So it's fair enough that they are, you know, obviously streets ahead of me because, you know, they are putting in more work than me. So it's fair enough that they're achieving more. And sometimes it does make me feel guilty and like I should be trying a bit harder. But yeah, I, I think that it's about remembering that we're in this for the long game. And so taking it at a pace that's sustainable is more important than achieving everything at an early age and then, you know, aging yourself in the process. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to age yourself too fast and burn yourself out. I think that was a really good ending note, actually. And something that I think a lot of us as creatives struggle with as well is just having the patience, right? And just letting yourself have have this growth over time. And like, it's so easy to see like the, the Dan Petties and stuff online, right? And think, oh my gosh, like I need to be at that level and hustle all the time and then thus feel this guilt when you're, when you're relaxing. Um, but I've, I don't know, I feel a lot more just generally fulfilled in life when I have this better balance and have or, or allow myself to have this relaxation, which gives myself the time to reflect on, on my achievements and reflect on the work I've done. And also sometimes I just catch myself thinking and scheming about, you know, what the next thing is going to be and getting inspiration for something else. So I think it's good to allow yourself to have that time and that breathing space, I think, to 
you know, just process the work you've done and the achievements you've done and also allow yourself to, to relax in the process. And also I think this can apply to being said for getting over any struggle that you person listening might be facing as a designer is that you've got to have patience with it. And, you know, this is your career. It's meant to be a long-term thing. So if there's a struggle that you're finding yourself coming up against again and again, it's, it's time to work on it. Look at where the source of that struggle is coming from and try and make some small changes to, you know, improve it and try and make that not to be a struggle of yours anymore. And don't beat yourself up about it if it takes a while to get over it because sometimes we get in bad habits or I don't know, there's new things we need to learn or sometimes it just takes time and we've got to be okay with that. Yeah, time is so important. So Fem, where can people go to listen to more episodes of this here podcast? Well, you can go to designlife.fm and if you want to listen to this I always say that if you want to listen to this episode in particular, but you're obviously already listening to this, <laughs> if you want to see the show notes and the takeaways, then you can go to designlife.fm slash episode 120. Yes, 120 episodes. That is a lot. We'd love to have you follow us on Twitter as well. We're at designlife.fm over there. We often tweet out and ask for your thoughts on things. And for this particular episode, I'd love to have you tweet us if you feel comfortable sharing one of the struggles that you're facing as a designer at the moment, I think it's important to talk about this stuff because it can sometimes feel like everyone has it together apart from you. And that's why we wanted to do this episode and wanted to do this show. So yeah, if you feel so inclined, we'd love to hear what you're struggling with. We might not have the answer to solve it, but we can at least be like, you know, we can support you at least. Have a conversation about it. Yes, yeah. have a conversation about it. And sometimes talking about it helps. Totally. All right. Good episode, fam. Good to chat to you. Okay, catch you next week. Bye. Bye.